Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms. And we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted. I am not Dave. He is on holiday, as he said in other pods. But we have an FA Cup final to preview. I'm, of course, joined by Carl. How are you doing, Carl? I'm all right. bit disappointed that part-time Dave is not here, but, you know... That's what he gets for calling me 56 years old, I think it was, in the end the other day. It does. Do we add this to his time? I feel like we should. He didn't officially say that he wasn't coming on this podcast, so I reckon so. Absolutely. You were four minutes late, but I haven't added that on, so just saying. That's because it took you about 18 minutes to reply to me on the time. That's true. That's true. That's true. But if we had 18 minutes on the mind, I'd still be first, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we'll, we'll get into the FA Cup final in a sec, and, and we have to talk about, well, we always try and fill out the pod with the odd stuff, and there's been linked with Frankie de Jong to Man United, not to us, unfortunately, or unfortunately for some. But Carl, I know it's a player you like, and I, I think a couple pods ago you and Dave talked about, I think it was a question about him switching like that, and you, you both prefer Thiago, but... It seems unman United ish to, to be linked with him. I, you'd expect the full Declan Rice route there, but it's not a player I've seen loads of, but by reputation, I know he's an excellent player. Yeah, I mean, he has, in fairness, struggled a bit at Barcelona at times. I think, obviously, when he went there, loads and loads of hype around him, but he went at a time when Barca were heading towards their biggest trough of all, really. Uh, so he's not, I don't think, hit what he's capable of all the time there, certainly not on a consistent basis. And there's definitely been talk about Barca being prepared to let him go because obviously they're going to be looking to build around Gavi and Pedri and they want another midfielder this summer. There's always a financial act to balance there. So he's one of the ones that Xavi is supposedly okay with losing if they get a good deal for him. Um, and for Frankie's part... From the most reputable journalists, most of them say that he doesn't particularly want to leave. He's open if bids do come in, obviously, uh, to considering things. And 
his priority is Champions League football, which does not necessarily point to Man United for me <laughs> for the next uh, at least year, but quite possibly two years, depending on how other teams strengthen this summer. I feel it's a bit of an easy one because of the Ten Hag coming in, yeah. obviously, um, which does make a difference sometimes for some players, but certainly not as much as we're you know, led down the line of thinking or being made to believe that it does because it just doesn't happen that the players link up with the role managers just for that reason. You know, he wouldn't have gone to link up with Ten Hag again if he'd have gone to, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach or someone like that. You know, it would be seen as a real step down. So I, I don't know that it's exactly enough for that. A couple of the Manchester-based journalists have also said that Man City have him on the radar. Mm. And in all fairness, Frankie de Jong is much more of a Man City-style midfielder at the moment than Man United, who have no midfield style whatsoever. Apparently it's his birthday, so that's a bit of a crap gift, his links to Man United there. Uh, our man there in the chat's asking, well, I suppose we can ask it about City as well. Would he be the sixth at United? Because I remember the Ajax team, but is, mm. would he be the sixth there, or would he be one of the eights, you reckon? Well, I think that that much depends on who they sign as well. You can't just sign Frankie de Jong and think that that's going to fix the lot because when he plays as the deepest midfielder, although I'm perfectly happy for him to be there and he's he's a decent shielder, what he wants to do is get on the ball, progress upfield. He's a really, really good ball carrier, which hasn't always been what he's able to do at Barca. That's obviously one of the things that uh, Xavi is least in awe of. He wants his midfielders to basically be very, very quick distributors of the ball. Mm. And... If United play him as a six, they would need very, very aggressive ball winners, very, very aggressive uh, pressers higher upfield if they want to be, you know, presumably go into more of a modern style, let's say, or any kind of style at all, some would say. Mm. Um, I think in a two-man midfield, he'd be perfectly good as that second one if they had a, a sitter, you know, so that they can have Fernandez as a 10 still, so that they can still have, uh, you know, all the many wide forwards that they do have and presumably want to buy again this summer, uh, playing in a 4-2-3-1. We're not really sure, obviously, what the plan is in terms of base formation for Ten Hag mm-hmm. at United. So it depends on a lot, really. But I think the biggest thing is that they would need someone else coming in who was just going to sit or else plays ahead of him, but is a really, really aggressive ball winner, someone who's not going to be rampaging forward all the time. There's a question there about, is De Jong, Fred and Fernandes midfield going to work? It would work, but only in favour of the opponents, I would say. Um, you know, <laughs> Fred, yeah, Fred wouldn't Fred, be too bad by the sounds no. of it. But it's no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't play them in a two. I, I, I think yeah. Fred is fine in an eight. That's the kind of midfielder I'm talking about, um, mm-hmm. Fred, who can be a ball winner. But again, Fred, more often later on this season, and is being used how he was prior to joining United, not as a defensive midfielder, but as a ball winner who can be a really, really good ball carrier as well. Someone who can break the lines by uh, moving quickly in possession, but he's not necessarily that quite sensible metronomic midfield passer that you would want maybe alongside De Jong, if De Jong is going to be the carrier anyway. And Fernandes obviously doesn't sit in and do the defensive stuff quite as much anyway in a three. The 100 mil, um, I was going to say Jack Grealish. Uh, I think we've got a question about that as well later on. Uh, but the Declan Rice move is still there, Carl. We can dream. Um, mm. But yeah, I think there was a question in the chat, and it was who's the worst signing, Grealish or Maguire? And we might as well. I can't remember who it's from. Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's really, really Maguire. early for Grealish, to be honest, isn't it? Um, moving to Man City is a big thing. Moving to play in a Pep Guardiola team is a big thing. 
loads and loads of players who go to play under Guardiola get their role changed. It's, it's important to remember that. And I think a big mm-hmm. part of the Grealish thing is that he has gone there a little bit older than most of them tend to. You know, even if you think about De Bruyne when he came uh, back from Germany to England, been playing as an attacker midfielder with City, he's played as a, a, roving mid, a, a roving eight midfielder who's been able to drive out wide and get crosses in. He used to play on the wing for Chelsea. He's played as a false nine now. He's been used all over the place and his game development has been enormous. Obviously, as a really, really intelligent player, he has the capacity to do that. But I think with Grealish, I understand because of the price tag, it makes him a disappointment in terms of what he's done and how often he's picked in the big games this season. But Mm -hmm. I would be still keen to see what development is there in year two because quite often it can take players under Guardiola. Some of them never get there at all, obviously, but sometimes it can take them quite a while to get to grips with what's being asked of them off the ball as well as on it. Took um, so, 18 months, didn't it? <clears throat> yeah, Other exactly. It's been, it's been plenty of them, hasn't there? Even yeah. you know, people who are not of the absolute elite. But you look at um, Gary Jesus, he's had his role changed like twice at least under Guardiola. People like Phil Foden have probably got four different roles at the minute and we still don't really know where he's going to end up as a, a, a single Star, position. Yeah. Gundogan the same. He came in as a centre mid, box-to-box at his best under Dortmund. He's played as a six for them. He's played as a false nine. He's played as a real box-to-box here. So there's loads of development still to come from Grealish if he is capable of it. And I do actually, as much as I don't want him to be playing in a team which is winning trophies, I do look forward to the development of that player. Mm. Uh, Maguire is a very special case because, as I've said before, you put him in the middle of a three, and I think he does the job really, really well. The problem that he's got is that he's this midfield that we've just spoken about at United is an absolute shambles. He has no protection there at all. He's asked to do a job that he's not fully capable of doing in terms of being that one who brings the ball out and still being a leader of the back line and also be capable of doing all the defensive work perfectly. He's not mobile or agile enough, really, to defend the way he tries to in a four, in my opinion. Um, he's left quite exposed. I think you look at most of the games where he shone for Leicester, it was in a three with England um, in the tournaments, in, in yeah, a three as well. Um, I I just think that he's been he's not an elite centre back. That's obvious, but he has mm-hmm. been woefully exposed at United. Yeah, that was from Sydney Chiller in the AI chat, and he did say if anyone, if you could think of anyone else, uh, is there any is there anyone who tops the worst signing list than the Maguire for whatever reason for United or in general? Just in general, I think. I mean, Coutinho and Dembele weren't exactly standouts for Barca. That's true. I forgot about Barca. They do. They do silly things. But was Maguire the most worst thought out signing? Whereas Coutinho, uh, you could see the logic, I suppose, and, and Dembele. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think both of those players should have been a lot better than they were, but yeah. they weren't really integrated very well into the team. Oh, Pogba's Pogba's a yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pogba as well. Yeah. Uh, but look, United in general, I think that you can go down the list of quite a few of their signings, and I'd even include Sancho at that so far on the evidence of how they've used him so far. Um, these are very, very capable players if you use them in the right way, and they haven't been. Mm-hmm. I mean, even look at players that they haven't spent that much money on. Oh, Rashford, who came through the academy, they still don't really know how to get the best out of him. Martial, they never really harnessed for any more than, what, three, four months at a time, months, getting yeah. good form at him, yeah. Um, there's a long, long line, and that is United as a club, I think. It's you know signings, but players in general, there's not really a style. There hasn't been a way of playing since... Probably Van Gaal, and they didn't like the way that he played, and it's you know, just a mess all round. If you haven't got the system in place, if you haven't got a, a way of playing, if you haven't got a, a real clear idea of how you're going to integrate people in the team, it doesn't matter how good they are individually, you're not going to get the best out of them, and they could be shown up really, really badly. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's it. We'll get into the FA Cup, Carl. I mean, we'll start with Chelsea, because there's probably more question marks around them, just in general. We, apart from Fabinho being injured, we kind of know what our team will be, maybe, apart from centre-back and a question up front. But um, Chelsea did play last night. They beat Leeds 3-0. Dan James somehow got sent off. I didn't watch the game. I watched like two minutes of it in the background when I was play, basically playing Xbox. <laughs> um, but, I mean, their season's kind of... After the Champions League, it just kind of fell flat. That's probably how I'd word it. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was... a. Uh... You know, a bit of a big disappointment for them, to be honest. I think they expected to go a bit further, obviously, as uh, champions of Europe, obviously, as they are still, technically. Um, but they were away off the title race already by that point. I mean, they're 19 points behind Man City now. And it, you think it was probably, what, two months ago, something like that, maybe two and a half months ago, we were being told this was a you know a three-horse race and they were doing mm-hmm. very, very well and all the rest of it. And there's been, obviously, mitigating circumstances in terms of the off-pitch stuff, but... At the same time, I can't really place that much emphasis on some of the performances that we've seen. Um, you know, things like losing 4-1 to Brentford. I don't really think that you can say there's too much off-pitch stuff for that. Arsenal, they tried to go toe-to-toe with it. It didn't work at all. To be honest, I think that there's been a downturn in their performance. Um, I wouldn't say that that's the reason. I can just pinpoint it to there. That was the last really mm-hmm. convincing display that I saw from them. I think, um, you know, the teams that they beat after us, mostly in the bottom three, um, there was a big win against Southampton, wasn't there, somewhere along the line, but, you know, Southampton just love to concede six, seven, eight, nine in one or two games a year, don't they? So hopefully they've still got one of those to come right near the end of the season against us, you never know. But apart from that, I don't think there's been too much great stuff from them. They were good in the first leg against Real Madrid, no question, but I don't know. There's definitely, like you say, there's been a flatness about them at times. They have... I think struggled to be quite as good defensively as they were in this uh, second half of last year, where basically Tuchel built them from the defence forward. We were looking for a bit more from them attacking-wise this year, and it started off that way, but hasn't really, I don't think, been explosive or fast-paced enough. There's not been quite enough uh, guile in that final third at times, I don't think. And again, yeah, I think it's up until the Leeds game, at least, it's kind of fallen flat again. I mean, they've not scored more than two in a game since that uh, Real Madrid first leg. Uh, sorry, the second leg. And I don't know. It's it, it hasn't been enough from them in terms of what we saw last year and where you would expect the progression to come, given the amount of spending that they had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone, when they saw Saul signed, we were obviously linked with him and kind of... At the time, got a bit jealous, but kind of worked out well for us. Um, although he might have worked out for us, who knows? Only Dave will know that. Um, and obviously Lukaku was the big one. We'll come on to him in a sec. Um, but I'll go through the team that played against Leeds last night, and obviously we're a complete different kettle of fish, but we'll use this as the base. I mean, Mendy started in goal, back three, obviously, of Chalaber, Christiansen, Rudiger, Alonso left wing back, Kovacic, who is injured, and I, I think, it, I imagine his season's over. I haven't seen the tackle yet, but I think uh, Tommy Tuchel said he's he's pretty much buggered. Jorginho's only just come back from injury. Reese James, Mason Mount, Pulisic, and Lukaku up front. Um, let's start with the goalkeeper. Obviously, we remember what happened in the League Cup. <laughs> mm. um, Kepper was the cup goalkeeper. I'm not sure. I can't remember who played in the later rounds of the FA Cup for uh, for Chelsea. I, f- I think it was Mendy. I'm going to go with it was Mendy. 
I imagine he'll start the cup final and he won't be subbed off if there's a penalty shootout. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's going to be any goalkeeping subs. No, that's uh, that's probably one thing we can say. Um, but I, I don't think that there'll be any doubt Mendy starts this one. I, I can see that there's reasons for it, but you look even back towards the um, Club World Cup final, Mendy came back in for that. Uh, mm. I know he didn't for the League Cup, but we've done the same there. We've, we've given the opportunity to the guy who got us there, but Mendy's their first choice. I think it's quite important for them to try and end the season on a real high. Um, it's probably worth pointing out as well at this point that Chelsea could actually win the Men's and Women's FA Cup uh, this year, if, if obviously both of them succeed. Quite a big mm-hmm. thing at the moment about uh, Reese James and his sister, obviously, in the final as well, both playing for Chelsea. So there, there's loads of reasons, but... Thomas Tuchel kind of needs this, I think. I think he's been a little bit below par this year, if I'm being perfectly honest. And again, like I say, they can probably palm off the second half of the se- half of the season because of what's happened off pitch and with Abramovich and everything. But that's kind of all sorted out now, you know. Bar a few bits of paperwork and that, the takeover is largely done. The uh, special license expires at the end of this month, so things are pretty much back to whatever kind of normal they're going to be. And I think he does need to end this on a bit of a, a high and really go for this victory, especially since they've played us. This will be the fourth time they haven't had any wins over us yet this season. Uh, I suppose technically all of them have been draws and we only won one on penalties, but we did win. They didn't. So I do think there'll be changes in defence, though. Uh, Thiago Silva obviously will be one to come back in. He was rested. Yeah. Um, I think if you're, if you're looking at himself coming in for Chalaba and then maybe Aspilicueta for uh, Christensen, and then mm-hmm. you keep Rudiger in as well. That's the first choice back line for them then, goalkeeper. Yeah, the so, so. yeah and then Reese James and Alonso at wing-back, it's a... Yeah, barring any surprises. I mean, there yeah. was talk only about a week ago that Alonso might not play for them again because there had been a you know a dressing room row or whatever, but that doesn't oh, seem beautiful. to be the case. So, on we go. Yeah, I, I mean, just on that Tuchel thing, you said a bit disappointing. I mean, he's currently 16 points behind second. And 19 points behind first, considering the expectation of the season. I mean, if Roman was still in charge and he wasn't obviously losing the club for being linked to Putin and Putin being a bellend, um, don't kill me. Uh, <laughs> but that we've seen Chelsea managers sacked for less than that. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've seen a Chelsea manager sacked a, a couple of months after winning the Champions League itself. So. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt, isn't he, obviously, for the for the new owners. I mean, aside from anything else and what he's already achieved in the game, who else are they going to go and get who is realistically mm-hmm. a notch or two up on him? I don't Pochettino or Chelsea, Tapman? Behave, behave, would you? I mean, it'd be funny. I think Tottenham to it would implode, it'd be funny. Like, I think that there's no danger of Tuchel losing his job or anything like that, whether they win this or not. And where I'm saying that he needs it, I think is more for the squad and more for their expectations and building and planning for next season. And uh, really trying to see where they are at the moment. Because like you said, Liverpool and Man City are a long, long way ahead in terms of their Premier League points and everything. So can you keep Chelsea competitive in the Cups? It's going to be, you know, third, fourth, final for him in not too long a time. Um, that is a good thing, but if you don't win them, ultimately that kind of gets overlooked as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, let, we'll go into we'll go into their midfield as well. I mean, Kovacic, one of your favourite players, injured, and he obviously well he scored a worldie against us, and 
he's very press resistant. We we know the crack. Kovacic is really good, but he's not playing, which is obviously a big a big plus for us. But Kante is also a doubt who literally only lives to play against Liverpool nowadays. That's how I see him. But if he's fit, you'd expect it's Jorginho and Kante. But if they're protecting Kante, maybe use him as a sub or something, mm. it's probably going to be Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho. And that's not a midfield, regardless of our our one injury issue in midfield. That scares me. No, I, I think if um, if you could pick any of the Chelsea midfielders, maybe apart from Ross Barkley coming in, he still exists, if you remember that guy. Um, Apparently. I think this would be the one, wouldn't it? You know, that's... Loftus cheek, I, I like as a player, but I, yeah, I, not this. I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of impressed that he's managed to muscle his way in and become like a, a first choice, a first team option for them. But he is only there because of injuries. Let's be honest. So Kante and Kovacic would be the pair if they were available. I think um, I'd be surprised if Kante starts. To be honest, I think he's maybe someone they could get like fifty, sixty minutes out of if he's if he's fit enough for it. But even if he's not, we've already seen these games between Liverpool and Chelsea this year have been really tight. So it wouldn't be a huge surprise if it went to extra time again, for example. So I think that they'd probably be wise to keep him back and see if they need him a bit later on in the game. Um, obviously, additional substitutions could be a, a factor there as well. And I guess they're going to be looking for Jorginho to play very, very conservatively. Um, is a back three, so he doesn't exactly need to drop between centre-backs or anything like that. But in terms of letting Loftus-Cheek push on and maybe try and support the front three a little bit more, Jorginho, I guess, is going to have to hold his spot because Loftus-Cheek, although he's good and he's definitely improved and he's doing well and all the rest of it, you can see at times he does get caught out in a two. He does sort of uh, be a few yards out of position or he takes an extra second to turn around and realise someone's run off the back of him. So a lot of emphasis on Jorginho to be exactly spot on there. What do you make of Jorginho? I mean, obviously, he kind of was... Well, everyone was crap under under Frank, apart from Mason Mount. But he struggled under Frank Lampard. He wasn't really great under Sarri when he was at Chelsea. He was good last year, obviously. He got was a third place in the Ballon d'Or, a mix of Italy and Chelsea. But this season, he seems to have gone back to type. And, I don't know, just ineffective. Doesn't really have a role. I mean, I know he's the to use an FMism, a deep-lying playmaker type. I don't know why I did air quotes. I'm on podcast, not a video. <laughs> um, but I don't know. He just seems like his role could be done by, well, you mentioned there, Kovacic and Kante, whereas they add on other stuff. But I don't know. It just seems like a player that's got a reputation for last year, whereas this year he seems to have been a bit crap for me. Yeah, I mean, I like him as a squad player for them. Um I don't really like him in terms of playing style and what he brings mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. He's not my type of midfielder, but for what Chelsea do and what they need, I think he's good for them to have in certain matches. Because at times, as much as I like them both, Kovacic and Kante can overlap roles with what they bring to the team um, if they're not up against mm-hmm. you know a, a, an absolutely elite side. So it, it's more about uh, maintaining possession and trying to find decent angles to the final third. I, I think you need a, a Jorginho type or at least some of his um, key attributes to do that, I think it can be a little bit one-dimensional sometimes if you're just relying on Kante and Kovacic making like bursts through from deep or evading those first couple of tackles and then someone's got to step out of the line. They're good at that, really, really good at that, among the best. But sometimes if nobody steps out, if you've got a really, really disciplined team and they're just not stepping into those challenges to give them the space, 
maybe then that's where you need the Jorginho a lot more, or even a Loftus Cheek, to be fair. Um, so I think he's good, but I don't think he's anywhere near the you know the, the world class level. Personally, he's he just he's not consistent enough for that, uh, in my view, and he's not really someone who game after game after game makes a decisive um, contribution to winning matches. I don't think sometimes he can be like perfectly normal, good without being you know bad or anything like that. But I, I still think he's like quite a little bit behind some of the very best. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think he's a good pivot without being overly exciting, as you say. I think similarish roles. I think Busquets is obviously much more defensively aware, but that's the king of that role. Just nowhere near. Um, yeah, it's a strange one with their midfield. It's probably one that needs looking at at the summer. I mean, Kante has become more injury prone. And probably had a bit of an off year himself, and we mentioned Loftus Cheeks, not that level. Saul was a failure. Ross I mean, Barkley you mentioned Saul there. Eh? He could, he could technically come into the lineup for this. He's not. Really he's not field, gonna. No, no, no. We don't, wouldn't expect him to at all. But in general terms, if you're looking at, you need a, a midfielder, numbers, central yeah. midfielder to come in. Is it going to be Saul or Ruben Loftus Cheek? I think up until twelve months ago, there wouldn't even be a question, would it? No, absolutely not. It's a strange one because I. <sighs> I haven't even seen him at Chelsea. I think he's played a couple cup games. I think he was awful against in his league debut. But other than that, he never seemed to get a chance. He must just be awful in training or something. But yeah, it's very it's very strange that signing because I think most people thought it'd be pretty much spot on. Um, but yeah, midfield for them I think needs needs work in the summer as well. Let's move on to their probably most problem position. It's the forward line. Obviously, we're counting the wingers here as well. I mean, we'll start we'll start with the Lukaku Havertz debate. I mean. Do you think one plays? Do you think both plays? Because um, Lukaku has played a bit more recently. I know it's only against Leeds, but he apparently did play well. But Lukaku did give us some issues in the League Cup final, if I remember. Obviously, just a bit more of a threat, but I don't see why them two don't play together more often. Well, look, Lukaku has played two games back-to-back now, and he scored in both of them. And I think that that's... I mean, obviously, it's a positive for for Tuchel and Chelsea to have more people in form or whatever. But he has given him a bit of a problem now because I think Timo Werner probably has to start this one because uh, he's obviously got the pace mm-hmm. to run it behind Trent. He's got the you know, the ability to play as that support player, and he's really hard work and all the rest of it. They need that kind of outlet because Alonso is not like exactly rapid. Jorginho, I presume. Out of the two of them, I would presume Jorginho slightly plays the left side and Loftus-Cheek the right. So again, mm. you've not got real drive. You've not got real outlet down that left-hand side of any kind of counter-attacking pace or anything, or ball carrying. So I guess Timo Werner's going to have to play there. Then you can actually play Kai Havertz the other side, but that means no Mason Mount. And I reckon there's more chance of me getting the call-up to replace Fabinho than Mason Mount not starting for Chelsea in the yeah, final. absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah, is that a, a slight on my footballing uh, abilities there? Goodness me, guy. Um, might be more about Armid for you. Yeah, it might be. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think they're going to go for Havertz, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just says, sod it, you know what, we'll play off Lukaku's improved uh, mora- uh, morale or, or confidence or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. that Lukaku suddenly developed in the past week they didn't have beforehand and just start him and have... Havertz is one of your options off the bench. We know Havertz has been a really big game player for them. He scored uh, big goals in in key matches, and that is an important thing. But again, with FA Cup, with more substitutions, with the possibility for extra time, all that kind of thing, 
I, I feel like it would make sense for them to go with the guy who's actually shown a bit of form and fight in the last few games. Um, maybe Lukaku just needed that little bit of a, a boost and an opportunity to prove a few people wrong. Probably there's been obviously a few transfer rumors as well over the last few weeks. So maybe they just go with him. Um, I, th- I feel like that that's what maybe I would do in this situation. Just go with the guy who has suddenly found form at the right time. Liverpool hat on here. Who would you rather play against? I mean, Havertz, obviously, he can drop in, hope people follow him and stuff like that. But Lukaku, well, nobody's really a match for Van Dijk physically, but mm. he could probably, well, we'll get into whether Matip or Canate, but he could probably outpace Matip, or maybe outsmart Canate or whatever. But for me, I think Lukaku poses more of a threat. I think we kind of deal all right with Havertz type players. I mean, with my Liverpool hat on, I, I hope that they start uh, Malang Sar at centre forward. Well, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. appreciate you not giving me that option. Um, I I probably would prefer Lukaku to be honest, because I think Kai Havertz's movement is a lot better. Um, simple mm. as that. I think uh, you know, like you said, Lukaku is he's got everything that you want in a, a centre forward, really. But I think that he this year has been very very static at times. Uh, I didn't see the the Chelsea match because I was watching the Italian Cup final, so. I was, Still yet to watch uh, Chelsea's goals back at the very least, but his movement has been quite low this season. I think he's not really made those runs across the defender, which got him so many for Inter last year. He hasn't really had the opportunity or the the place to pick the ball up from sort of the inside right channel and run at the defense, yeah. which causes us problems at times as well. Uh, I I think that Virgil will handle him quite all right, and to be honest, I think. Whichever of the two centre backs plays alongside Virgil would also be okay with him. Uh, mm. For me, it's more the the movement and the intelligence, the link play, the little flicks over the top that Havertz makes, which I would consider a problem. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Just to, I mean, whilst whilst we're on Lukaku, I mean, is he destined to go back to winter, or do you think this little end of season trust or form or whatever we're calling it is that just trying to salvage? His second career? Um, I I don't see him going back to Inter immediately, at the very least, just because I don't think that they could honestly afford it right now, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think you know the links with AC Milan that were there were dependent on if they got taken over. That's obviously still uh, quite up in the air as to who is going to be taken over, let alone as and when it will go through. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him line up there just because there's no market for him this summer. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, who else was it? Werner and Mount, you'd say? I'd probably agree with that. Obviously, Pulisic did give us a couple issues in the cup final. Uh, mm. Kelleher made a good save, but God hey, knows. Pulisic is a classic FA Cup final sub, though, isn't he? He's a real impact he sub. You can use him as a much more attacking outlet. You can use him as a counter-attacking threat if you're already a goal ahead. You can even mm-hmm. change formation by bringing him on for someone else and using him anywhere across the front line, really. So I think he's a, a good bench option for Tuchel. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Wouldn't surprise me if maybe Pulisic over Werner, but either one of them provides the pace they'd probably want. But yeah, either one of them. Let's get into us then. I mean, Alisson's obviously starting Trent, Robbo, Van Dijk. Who are you starting next to Van Dijk? Uh, if it was on form, this would be Kanate. But I think Canate is going to start the Champions League final. No, I don't. No, I don't. 
Canate. I was saying I think Canate will start the Champions League final, but I don't think he will. I think Matip will start the Champions League final. And so maybe this one is Canate just by reverse factor of that, basically. Um, I, I'm not really worried which of them starts, to be fair. I think. Who started you know, the, the League Cup final? Was it, it was Matip, wasn't it? It was Matip, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was Matip. Should we have a quick check? We might as well. Yeah, someone's saying Matip. We'll go with that. If okay. it's wrong, it's Kieran's fault in the chat. Okay. Or, so we'll or us for not remembering. Ah, it's not us. It's definitely not our fault. We'll go with Matip. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree Matip against Madrid and then Canate against Chelsea. I, I could I'd get on board with that. Yeah, Canate came on after 91 minutes, apparently, for Matip. So there you go. Well done. Um, yeah, I, I think Canate did start this one. I think he's earned a spot in a, a really, really big game for us. He's been a, a regular in Europe, which I think if Man City had gone through to the final, he would have started that game as well. But with it being Benzema, I think Joel Matip probably has to start that for yeah, um, you know, awareness and... Reasons. <laughs> yeah, reasons. That's fine. Uh, and maybe, you know, Vinny, Vinny Jr. and his game and his pace and all that will mean that, again, we have to make that kind of sub later on in the match if he's who's causing us problems instead. But I think Matic probably starts that one. So, yeah, just by reverse um, selectioning, I'm going to go with Kanate to start. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Now, midfield, you probably wouldn't think it'd be a debate point because we probably only have the three starters there. But Naby did start, uh, did play 90 minutes the other day. We know we need to rotate in midfield as well. Is there a question mark that we could, I don't know, I'll use Naby as the, save Naby as a sub just to bring on in the late game rather than having a midfield of, I don't know, say Jones and Ox going into extra time or something like that? <laughs> um, I can see what you mean, but I think you've got to... If you think that you're the better side going in here and there's no reason why Liverpool shouldn't, I think you've got to be looking at this as a game you try to win in 90 minutes. Um, obviously, be aware of it, and I don't think that there'd be an issue, for example, bringing on Curtis Jones, like you've just said. I think he played well the other night. Um, I think I would start with Cater just because that's our strongest midfield, and the stronger you go, obviously, from the start, the more chance you've got of going ahead. I think the first goal in this will be very, very important. And... Yeah, just try and win in ninety minutes. I think is the the bigger issue for us, especially since the you know amount of games that we've got left still before the Champions mm-hmm. League final. We don't want to have to go into the extra thirty minutes if we don't have to. So strongest, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think Jones on against the tired Chelsea midfield, where we mentioned what, what theirs would be, wouldn't be too big an issue. Who knows? Maybe Elliot re- reappears. I remember one of his better games was Chelsea uh, early in the season, so maybe he reappears. Ox has kind of disappeared as well. But uh, yeah, I think our midfield's in better shape than theirs, as we say. Um, up front, then Salah's obviously going to start because he was rested midweek, and we do, even if he's not playing the best, just the fact he plays on the right, it just provides balance. I don't care if he's playing badly or whatever. It just provides balance. Now, the question mark and the other two, maybe it's not a question mark. I, I think everyone wants Diaz to start, but it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to the classic front three with Mane on the left and Bobby in the middle. But I do think we have missed Bobby in this run because Mane's scoring the goals, but the link-up play has been very clunky from all three, regardless who's playing. Yeah, I agree. Um 
I don't know that I think that Firmino would start, considering he hasn't even played yet since his last injury, obviously. Uh, I think it was was it six in the end that he missed and then came back for one on the bench. It was, but... the, it was the semi-final, wasn't it, I think? I can't remember which one. I think one it was, was the FA Cup semi-final, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't see him coming in to start, that's for sure. Um, but I also wouldn't be starting Jota in this game just because his form He's, level is... Yeah, not great. Yeah, through the floor, basically. Um, he is... Probably our version of Pulisic, to be honest. Not in terms of you know all the the ball carrying and the technical ability that Pulisic has at say, but um, for his versatility, for being an impact sub, for being someone who can just make something happen in an instant, I think he's the best version of that that we've got. And whereas I would say a bit can cater in midfield, for example, because he's part of the best three that we have at the moment. I think Firmino isn't necessarily going to be that from the start because he's not really got the form. He's not got the rhythm. We can't really just risk throwing him in there and he's going to be up against Diao Silva, who if he has a really good defensive game is very, very difficult to get the better of. But like you've said, if you can move him out of that front line, I think that's where big spaces arrive for Liverpool because Silva pulled out of the deepest line. If you can pull him either into the channels or make him step out into the midfield zone, well, we're great at getting runners in behind him, and Sadio mm-hmm. Mane can probably beat him one but one v one anyway. Yeah, and I like Mane a lot through the middle. I must say, uh, I think his the link play. I agree with you. It's been a little bit. Ah, oh, I do. I like him very much. In fact, I think if he signs a new deal, that's where he will play for us. And I, I agree. I agree with that. I think on the left. I think on the left, he's definitely lost that. Well, just basically what we're seeing from Diaz is that directness. I think he lost yeah. that. It's just, maybe I'm just missing Bobby. <laughs> it's just what, yeah, I, I, Bobby well, uh, yeah, you know, I'm fully on board with that. I, I yeah. don't want him going anywhere, and I want him around as as much as we need him to be involved. But I do like Manny there. I think it, it is very different. It's it's a different style of having a centre forward. But I think he has quite a lot of everything, to be honest. And I think mm-hmm. that probably with Salah being as out of form as he is, Manny is probably our best link player. Um, Diaz is obviously great, really direct outlet. and really aggressive, yeah. and yeah, but he yeah. is an outlet. He's not, a, he's not a combination player as such so much. So I think Man is important for that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, it seems obviously United was never a, a challenge, but it's just them low block games. I think that's where we miss miss Bobby the most. Really, is is, is that link up player? But yeah, so you're going, you going with Diaz, Man, more for the start. Yep. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think I'd agree with that. And if Bobby's fit enough, he can come on. Hopefully, get a tired uh, Thiago Silva moving. Or certainly Rudiger. Rudiger loves charging out all over the place, make some space for more or something like that. And if he remembers, he he's good at football. And so be it. Um, where do you where do you think the key battles are in this game? I mean, midfield we've kind of highlighted for players missing. Well, one player for us. We haven't really talked about missing him for being. I mean, how how do you think? Our midfield operate obviously Henderson will be the six, but Thiago, Hendo, Naby, I, I think that'll work quite well. I, I can't see, I won't see them pressing too high aggressively on Henderson. Maybe Havertz dropping off and doing that thing, but Jorginho and Loftus Cheek won't press high up to him, so he should get enough of the ball. You'd reckon? What I'm looking for here from our midfield is for Thiago to do the exact same performance as he did last time he was at Wembley. I think his uh... yes. His showing against Man City was up there with anything I have seen for many, many seasons for Liverpool. That game and then the following one against Man United at Anfield, he was unbelievable. 
one of the best couple of back-to-back performance I've seen since, oh, let's say Andrea Dosena scoring in back-to-back games against Real Madrid and Man United. Some fantastic. Yeah, um, I, I I expect us to dominate quite a lot of this game. To be honest, it hasn't always been the case against Chelsea, but just because of the way the midfields are set up uh, for both teams, obviously the absences that they have really hurt them. We have managed, I think, to control where the game is played, even if not to actually control all the chances being created against Chelsea in a couple of the games this season. Uh, even the one where it was Calherin goal and Kovacic scored his wonder goal. They had a really good spell where they were better than us, no question. But a lot of the play outside of that period, I thought we were you know, all right and quite fine. In. And then in the cup final, I think it was mostly about their really, really good defensive work and us not really... I wouldn't say being brave enough to have a go, but not having enough um, variety in our play, not enough tempo in our play to break them down normally, I would say. I would expect mm. a bit more in that regard from us this time, because we have been quite positive uh, in, in that in that side of our play up until, I think, the Spurs game, probably. Um, hopefully we return to just prior to that, the form that we were showing Villarreal and Everton, the ones beforehand, because we were quite ruthless and quite speedy and really happy to just go toe-to-toe with whatever players are on the pitch, even against City and that. So hopefully the big game day will bring out the big game players. And we have quite a few of those actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, I think the midfield will be fine. We just got, to, as you say, well, Moore's got a click for a start. It'll be bloody helpful. Uh, what's Adam saying here in chat? Would it be crazy to play more through the middle as a 10? I'd like to try it for a few minutes like we used to when he'd get into these slumps. Or when he'd get too too much attention on the right. I, maybe as a late game sub, we obviously have gone four two four in times this uh, in recent games. I, do you just see more? Not I was going to say stuck on the right there, but just staying on the right because he did used to go through the middle at times, but we haven't. We've seen less and less of it really. Yeah, we have. Um, I think probably because there's nobody to directly take Play his place out him, there. Yeah. I mean, it was when we when he played through the middle, Shaq, we went 4-2-3-1, yeah, and Shakiri went right. So we don't really have the direct there. I don't mind Diaz being out on the right as a you know a game stretcher as such because he'll go mm-hmm. much more touchline hugging. But basically, uh, right now, and with this being a cup game where it is literally win or nothing, to be brutally honest, Salah's touch in the penalty box is not warranting being there more often yeah. than he is at the minute. Um, you know, he's... he's struggling a little bit to just do that little touch where the ball gets out of his feet and he gets the shot away. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw earlier in the season when his when his form was like off the charts, so much of that was when he comes inside the defender, it is a really strong shot back in, sort of across himself into the near post. And he's not yeah. doing any of that now because he's not getting the ball out of his feet quick enough. And then he's looking for that bend in the far top corner all the time, which he did a couple of seasons back. Which is fine. Once against Chelsea. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know he's got to be—he's got to vary the the approach and the shots and all the rest of it. But at the minute, he's not doing it cleanly enough, and he's not doing it quickly enough to be that one who is playing right through the middle because that's naturally where most of the chances are going to come. That's where they're going to fall. That's why Mane is getting more goals now than he was earlier in the season, which is a, a weird lack of correlation. People are somehow overlooking mm. um, in that in that form bump that he's had. Um, and basically, we don't need this to be—we don't need it to become about getting Mo Salah back into form. This is a cup final, right? You just have to win. You just have to score more goals than they do one way or another, whether that's in a shootout like we did in the League Cup final or how we did against Spurs in the last Champions League final we were in. You just got to 
do it on the day, basically. And it's not about getting Salah back into form. It's not about getting any particular player on the score sheet or anything like that. I think a couple of times later on in games, we've already seen uh, people trying to get Salah with a score and chance or Salah trying to give himself a score and chance when we're a goal or two up. That's not what this is uh, on, on Saturday. It's just about get that win, get that trophy. Yeah, I think I think it's the Spurs game that's kind of been almost a boiling point for more. I think before that game, everyone's thinking, his shooting's crap, but his passing's still there. He's still creating the odd chance and stuff like that. But the Spurs game, there was so many incident, incidents when he could have passed it. I think there was one to Jota or one to Diaz um, when he cut in and shot, where it's almost that greedy narrative, which I've never really agreed with, but that certainly almost, almost a dep- desperation narrative more than a greediness thing. So yeah, I agree. I think more more needs to clock in with with that. It's just he needs to find do that extra pass if he's not feeling the shot. Basically, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, stick to four three three because if Jotter ends up on the right, it's basically like well, Jotter's not playing well at all. But Jotter on the right for me is basically like playing with ten men. It's just not not it. Yeah, the only thing I think we see Jotter. Coming on four is probably, well, obviously, unless there's an injury or anything like that. But if we do need that late switch in the game, which hopefully we won't need, uh, and we do go for the two in attack, I think it's. I, I don't honestly think we will be looking for the kind of changes where we have over the last few weeks because this is a final, you know? Again, it's the context of the mm-hmm. match where we've made subs uh, in midfield, for example, it's been Cater on for Henderson or the other way around, or one of them on for Thiago to rest him on you know, 70, 75 minutes up front. We've had similar sort of changes. There's been whoever started on the bench has come on after 60, 65 minutes, something like that. We probably won't see that just for uh, you know, a conservation or for the sake of it sort of thing. It's It's got to be about the result on the day, isn't it? So performances, yeah. fitness, does it. And we've got Southampton on Tuesday. I mean, we do need to win, but out of the three competitions left, priority is Champions oh, League, FA Cup. Yeah, League. definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Although, Jürgen would uh, be telling you off right now and say, no, priority number one is the FA Cup because that's the next game. Well, yeah. So there you go. He's a liar. <laughs> he is. We know you're lying, Jürgen. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll go key battles before we get into pred- predictions. Uh, we've talked about the midfield there. I mean, is it just if we can get well, you said we control the game, really, but is it just if we can take advantage of that control, really? Um, to an extent. I mean, obviously, if they're going to have spells in the game where they're either well on top or have a bit of pressure or create things, or we just do mad bits like we did in the first 15 minutes in midweek where we just couldn't pass the ball, couldn't control the ball, couldn't make the angles for the pass for the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, off things like set pieces, Lukaku and whoever marks him is obviously going to be a big thing. Uh, Kai Havertz, if he starts, and whoever marks him is going to be a big thing. Um, Reese James against Andy Robertson. I mean, we, we, I don't think we even mentioned the fullbacks for Liverpool when we were doing the lineup, but obviously we assume Trent and Robbo start. Well, Robbo's yeah. not been in Great. electrifying form, I wouldn't say. Um, I assume he comes back in to start for sure, but him up against Reese James is going to be a huge, huge battle. Like, that's their best outlet. If it's Alonso did, did on one side and Reece James, it was just a just a rest for Robbo because he wasn't on the bench. Yeah, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was just rested. Yeah, yeah, that was also no no issues or anything. Um, the, the, obviously, the one um, tactical wrinkle that Chelsea could offer is to do what they did previously against us and previously in other big games is to play uh, Athletic with the right wing back and Reese James right centre back because then he's got the 
extra speed to cope against uh, Luis Diaz, for example, for us on that side. He has done that mm. before, so it could happen again. But assuming they want a really good outlet, I assume that's got to be Reese James as the wing back. So him against Robbo will be a really good test. Got to stop the crosses coming in a lot better, regardless of who plays centre forward for them, because over the last few games, that's been something where we definitely have been lacking. Yeah. And uh, then the other one I would say is probably Rudiger, to be fair, because he's one of the ones who steps out really well for them. Uh, he's played a very big role in that sort of left-hand channel where they've got build-up play. He can either bring the ball forward or he'll be the one who goes into that space where we would normally have, say, Thiago, for example. He's mm-hmm. going to be the one in there with Jorginho tucked in a little bit deeper. And so they've got either the pass back to Jorginho on a switch of play, which you have to be alert for, or else Rudiger just striding forward, looking like he's going to bang one into about row W behind the stands, and then instead playing a little sneaky one down the sides. And people like Pulisic or Mason Mount or Timo Werner running behind your fullbacks then, because obviously someone's got to step out to close down Rudiger or whatever. That's something that they use quite a lot. So he's a he's a, a wild card that we need to watch, I think. And in that regard, I'm probably happier to have Henderson as a six instead of an eight in that regard because I think he has been. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't do the traffic runners, does he? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And that's a big thing about Kovacic's absence as well, with the fact that we already knew pretty much we were going to have to be playing um, Jordan Henderson as the six. Kovacic's runs are something he yeah. would not track as well. But hopefully with Loftus-Cheek, you probably can do it a little bit less. Maybe he'd be a bit um, more conservative with his forward movement, at least to start the game. So I think Henderson should cope with that pretty well. His, his ball wins be pretty good, but he's got to be really alive to those second balls. Mason Mountain behind him is a pain in the ass as well. Mm-hmm. So how do we hurt this Chelsea team? I mean, you mentioned the, the defensive block there. I mean, Thiago Silva's obviously... Wait, I think, is he 38 now? I think he just had his birthday. So I think he's 37, 38. He's obviously still really good at defending. And he just attributes anymore. But you mentioned Rudiger, where it was at the Bernabeu Rudiger match makes one mistake, Benzema scores. So if if Rudiger is as probably is, but we. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, in the in the League Cup final, for example, I don't think we, we were quite quick enough. I don't think we had a good enough tempo about our play some of the time. I don't think we committed enough players forward. So Naby Keita's runs from deep, for example. If Rudiger is the one stepping out to mm-hmm. Salah, who stays wide, you've got that eight gap, basically. So you've got either uh, Naby Keita or Trent. One of those two has got to exploit that area. And whoever does, Jorginho is probably the one to step there. And then... Somewhere along the line, you've got someone spare. So Rudiger either has to pull wide or go into that eight zone where Cater's runs are making or anything like that. You've got to be brave enough to have someone go beyond the forwards at times. Obviously, there's the thing about the clinical edge, which we've lacked at times in some games, but everybody does. You know, It's it's a thing in football. That's why it's hard and to score a goal and why it's fairly low-scoring sport. But overall, I would expect us to create quite a few opportunities. If we play as, as, as quickly as we have done in our better games recently, if Thiago gets on the ball plenty and just sets our tempo straight away, and if he's on, as on it as he was, like I said, in the in the semi-final against City, I can see us dominating quite a large spell of this game, to be honest. And we just have mm-hmm. to be brave enough and, and quick enough with our play to make the most of the spaces when they open up. I think a 3-4-3 on that pitch... I wouldn't be surprised to see Mason Mount drop in as a fifth midfielder quite a lot of the time because that opens up so much space. And if we're three on two in the middle all the time, 
we should, in theory, be able to either pull a centre-back out or find a lot of space in that sort of 10 to the 8 zones for for Cater in particular to be running mm-hmm. onto. Yeah, I agree with that. We're just at about an hour now, Cal. What is your prediction for this one? Not extra time. I think this is a 90-minute one. And Ooh. obviously I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. That was, that's not going to be a big surprise, is it? I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for 2-0. I'm going to say we are very, very professional about getting the job done. I hope so, because I can't be doing another penalty shootout when it goes to the goalkeepers. <laughs> uh, that was that was enough. Plus, I have to talk about it afterwards. But that is it for this one. I believe it's me and you, Carl, again for Southampton. And then I think Dave's back. So, yeah, whenever we get chance after the cup final, we'll sort that one. Uh, but anything you want to plug before we go, Carl? Uh, usual uh, pre-weekend European stuff. And apart from that, just hope everyone has a very, very lovely Saturday and celebratory Saturday evening. Absolutely. I didn't give my prediction. I will, I'll go 2-1 just to be different to us. Um, but yeah, uh, plugs from me. Uh, me, Trev and Stephen will be back after the cup final. Hopefully it's a happy affair again. The, the League Cup one was great fun. Um but yeah, um, hopefully we bloody win. <laughs> Live podcasts afterwards are always a bit gloomy uh, if we lose. But yeah, don't need to think about that. So I'll be back Saturday. Uh, as I said, Scout, it'll be some point next week, maybe Sunday, maybe Monday. Um, and then Dave will be back. But that is it for this. Hopefully we're up to two two trophy reds by the next time you hear from me. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.